what can we learn from the conversion of Saul? We once again have an opportunity to share some thoughts from the Word of God. This is an opportunity for which we are truly grateful. While our time is short during these visits, it is our sincere hope that the questions we ask and the points we cover are beneficial and give you some things to think about well past the end of our time. This effort is part of the outreach of the Church of Christ that meets in the community of Ben, Arkansas. The building is located on Highway 5, about halfway between Mountain View and Heber Springs. More can be found at benchurchofchrist.org. As a point, Saul is also known as Paul. Some see his name change as part of his conversion, though others see no significant, though typically he is known as Paul after his conversion. So Saul and Paul are the same being. Of the many characters in our Bible, the man by the name of Saul is one that had much influence on the gospel of Christ, both in a positive as well as a negative way. His work is often considered by many second only to that of the Son of God, Jesus the Christ. We are told of Paul from his words narrated in multiple letters as well as from the perspective of others. We first read of him at the stoning, the martyr, of Stephen. This event is recorded in the Acts of the Apostles in chapter 7. While Saul is not mentioned in that narrative, it is brought forward later in that book in chapter 22, where he says in verse number 20, When the blood of thy martyr Stephen was shed, I was also standing by and consenting to his death. Paul was an educated man, studying at the feet of one Gamaliel, also in Acts 22. Gamaliel was known for his knowledge of the law. He was often referred to as a rabbi, which means teacher in the Hebrew language. He was also among the Pharisees and was a member of the highest Jewish council, the Sanhedrin court. Paul studied at the feet of this man, giving some indication of his educational foundation and his will to learn, but also his discipline to learn, as an education was not something common. He talks of himself in Acts 22, verse 3, I verily am a man which am a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, yet brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers and was zealous toward God as you all are this day. He said in Galatians 1 and 14, and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in mine own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. This verse gives some insight of just how much effort he put forward. Galatians 1 and 13, you have heard of my conversation in times past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. In Acts chapter 8 and 3, Saul, he made havoc of the church, is the word that is used there, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. In Acts chapter 22, in verse number 4, I persecuted this way unto the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women, as also the high priest doth bear me witness, and the estate of the elders, from whom I also received letters unto the brethren and went to Damascus to bring them which were there bound unto Jerusalem for to be punished. I believe it would be safe to say that he was an honest man, and he was very sincere about his zeal in what? He believed. 
He was as dedicated as one could be when it came to the work that he was doing and from his perspective for Jehovah God. Paul earnestly beholding the council in Acts 23 and 1 said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God unto this day. His conscience was clear. Acts 24, 16. His mission was simple. Acts 26 and 9, Verily I thought within myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And this led all of which to consider himself to be the chiefest of sinners after his conversion, as he tells in 1 Timothy chapter 1. He was on the road to Damascus. He had letters to deliver and was searching for any disciples of the Lord to bring them bound to Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 9, we read in verses 1 and 2 that he was on the road. Then we read in verses 3 and following of what happened. As he journeyed, he came near to Damascus, and suddenly there shined around about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest, it is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Lord said, Arise, go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. So what do we gain from this? That we should find that road and head toward Damascus to wait for a vision? No, we read that Paul was a vessel. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 8 and following, and last of all, Paul says, he was seen of me also as one of bo one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, that I am not meet to be called an apostle, but I, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. This lesson for us is what Paul was told to do. Go to the city and you will be told. Several times in similar encounters, individuals were told that they would be given a message of what to do. And that message is the same for Saul and Paul. Read in Acts chapter 9, verse 7, And men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth. When his eyes were open, he saw no man, but they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. He was there three days without sight, neither did eat nor drink. And there was certain disciples at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. He said, I am here, Lord. So the Lord appeared to Ananias. And we read in verse number 11, the Lord said unto him, Arise, go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth, and he has seen a vision, a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Saul had a reputation, and Ananias knew of him, as we read in verse 12, and has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming and putting his hand that he might receive his sight. And Ananias said, I have heard of this man. We read in verse 15 and 16, the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Read verse 17. And Ananias went his way, entered into the house, put his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, hath appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me, 
that thou mightest receive my sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scaled, and he received his sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. Paul asked the question after seeing Christ in the vision, and that question was, what do you want me to do? This brings to mind those on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. After it was detailed the work that they had done in crucifying a man that they thought was an imposture that turned out to be the only begotten Son of God, Jesus the Christ, they said, what shall we do? What could they do? For Saul, all that he had done, the people that had been killed at his beckoning, those imprisoned, those tortured, those tormented for the same reasons that Christ was crucified. When he realized he was wrong, let's not run past that thought. Note, he chose not to debate Christ. He was an educated man. I believe, believe that he knew as much about the enemy, Christ, Christians, as any. And when it was put to him just the right way, he was convicted. What did Christ say? It's hard for you to kick against the pricks, which I believe gives some indication that he possibly was struggling with this man by the name of Christ. He immediately recognized and accepted he was wrong. There was no defense. So, Lord, what do I do? Now what? Go, and it will be told. Why didn't Christ tell him? Why didn't Christ save him? Perhaps as he did as the thief on the cross, to tell him his sins were forgiven as Christ did while he was here on earth. Christ chose rather to tell him to go to one of his messengers. And this, friends, was a pattern, a word from past lessons that was established. Go to one of my messengers and it will be told what you need to do. The words that were spoken to Paul about what to do were not disclosed, yet the action of Paul is what? We read toward the end of that passage, he was baptized. Is this not strange? In the middle of all that's going on, let's read that again. Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, hath appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And the next verse, immediately there fell from his eyes that it had been scaled. He received his sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. What must I do? What had he done prior to these words from Ananias? Had he prayed to God? Yes. Was he devoted to God? Certainly, above all. Had he studied? He was among the most educated was he zealous? No one was equal. He had a vision in which he was spoken directly from the Son of God. Yes. Saved? Not yet. He had, was yet to be told what he needed to do. Blind, got his sight. He had a miracle. Still not saved. His actions fall in line with many other examples in the Acts of the Apostles, as, as on Pentecost, as the Philippian jailer, as the household of Lydia, as the eunuch. There was an act of baptism in each of these. Here is a man above most all other men when it came to godliness, but all of his zeal, all of his actions were wrong. 
and as an honest and sincere as he could have been, even a clean conscience, he was wrong. Paul recounts this experience before Agrippa in Acts chapter 26. Whereupon, O king Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them at Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the coast of Judea, then to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. And do you remember what happened next? Paul spoke to Agrippa words, similar words that had been uttered to many others, including himself. And the outcome? Whereupon, O king Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but showed first to them into Damascus and all of Judea that they should repent and turn and do works of repentance. So we have an example of obedience. And King Agrippa told him, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. So we have an example of obedience, and we have an example of almost obedience. The work that Paul accomplished before his conversion would be considered great. And the work he accomplished as recorded in our New Testament after his conversion is even greater. We see him go through tremendous trials. Christ spoke of this. Many things he would encounter. Imprisoned, stoned, left for dead, yet never wavered. The man that was once his enemy, that imposter from Nazareth that called himself the Son of God, became his Savior. And his journey started with that vision. But his mission to become a Christian was after the words that were spoken to him that led to obedience in the same manner as many others. What were the words recounting this experience? Paul's life was forever changed, and this is the message that he taught going forward, the message he told Rome in Romans chapter 6. Therefore, or in conclusion, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. What an example from the Apostle Paul. Our time is gone. We thank you very much for joining us. We look forward to visiting with you next week at this time. Until then, we bid you a very blessed day.